Welcome to the 180 Podcast. You are listening to a teaching of the 180, a new church committed to learning to love Jesus and love like Jesus. Our prayer is that God would use this teaching to help you grow closer to Him and that you would feel moved to join us in person, where you can grow in community with the larger 180 family. Bienvenue à la balado-diffusion de l'Église 180. Vous écoutez un enseignement de l'Église 180, une nouvelle Église qui s'est engagée à apprendre à aimer Jésus et à aimer comme Jésus. Notre prière est que Dieu utilisera cet enseignement afin de vous aider à vous rapprocher de Lui et que cela vous donne envie de vous joindre à nous en personne où vous pourrez vous épanouir au sein de la communauté qu'est la grande famille de l'Église 180. But good morning. Uh, so good to be with you. If we haven't met, my name is Michael, just one of the leaders here. And uh, I want to just say this is the first Sunday of 2024, so just want to wish you a happy new year. So good to be together, and thank you for just committing to being here with us. Uh, if you were with us last Sunday on New Year's Eve, our pastoral apprentice, uh, Willie, uh, helped us really take opportunity to reflect on the past year, to recognize how God has been faithful to us, which is such an important practice for us to do as Christians. And this year, as we look ahead to 2024, one of the things we're just going to naturally do is just consider different ways we hope our lives will improve or we'll hope we'll experience kind of blessings or uh, just improve in some way in this coming year. And uh, so we all have different ways we hope to do that. And one of the, the kind of things that we do as we think about that is we make resolutions or we, uh, commitments that we make to hope to kind of achieve those things. So you can plan to kind of read more in hopes that it'll make you smarter or more knowledgeable, or you can invest more in hoping you'll make more money, or you can start a new diet, hoping you'll either lose weight or maybe have more energy. Uh, but at the same time, and actually the reality is as we think about those things, those results or benefits that we hope for, there's an element of that that's beyond our control, right? But at the same time, every year, we're, as we enter a new year, we're almost bombarded by these messages and tips and posts from different companies or magazines that try to tap in almost to this and guarantee that we'll get the results that we're really looking for. I came across an article that did this. It was actually at the beginning of last year. Uh, it was in my newsfeed for some reason. Some algorithm made it come up. I don't know why. Uh, but it was an article that jumped out at me. And the title of the article was Nine Rituals to Encourage Abundance and Luck in the new year. Kind of crazy, but I saw more and more of those things uh, at the beginning of the year. Uh, and you'll see I actually included the first ritual that it suggests, which is to get a lucky plant. Maybe you've tried that. Now that my wife's seen this, she's probably going to convince me that that's an excuse to get more plants. Uh, but isn't that crazy? Now, again, whether you actually, whatever you think of this, if you buy into that, I think it really taps into this idea that we long for our lives to be more blessed each year. And because of that, we'll almost be willing to do anything to get those kinds of blessings or to kind of guarantee results. So much that we'll even kind of use a form, formulaic way of doing that. And we live in a world that almost prioritizes, if even idolizes, the type of commitment that's just based on getting positive results. And if we're not careful, we can even then do this in our relationship with God. We can make our prayers or relationship about only getting God's blessings without ever actually going deeper or ignoring him otherwise altogether. But as we start this year, it's important to know that for Christians, the idea of blessings should flow to it out of a deeper commitment to, of growing and maturing in a way that we're always growing closer to God. And there's a verse uh, that I want to look at that talks about this that Paul shares with the church. Here's what it says. 
It says, now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong. See, in Christianity, the biggest marker of maturity and growth is that each year we'd be committed to growing closer to God and as we learn to follow Jesus and keep him at the center of our lives. And when we make this the first priority above everything else, not that those other things are bad, but when we make this the first priority, we give a healthier picture of how everything else almost fits into place or on that foundation. So much that it actually um, helps us to understand this as the kind of commitment that's deeper than just hoping for blessings or positive results. This is such an important difference, and it actually corrects our idea or understanding of, re- of blessings in the first place. Because bl- God's blessings always flow out of this deeper commitment to grow closer to him. And when you understand that, you begin to recognize how he's blessing you, not just when you have a good year. Or how he wants to bless you, not when you just feel good, or when you're in a good situation. You'll begin to see how he's blessing you even when you have very little. Or even moments of just sickness or loss or real struggle, that somehow he still has a blessing and a way of providing in those moments and a way of calling you deeper. So this year, as we start 2024 together, instead of just praying or prioritizing life in a way that we hope to get more blessings or more results, could we just first commit to thinking, how will you grow closer to God this year? How will I commit to growing closer to God? And what does that look like for me? Maybe what part of your life can you commit to just going a little bit deeper, to following Jesus more closely? Uh, Pastor Dom mentioned this earlier in the welcome. If you were here, you would have heard, but we're actually still in the the Christmas season as it kind of draws to a close. And uh, we're kind of just learning as a church to just continue to learn or to live into the good news of Jesus' birth as that spreads. And... uh, um, One of the things that we often do on this weekend as we're still in the Christmas season is that we'll look at a story that kind of comes after Jesus' birth but before he begins his ministry as an adult. And so we're going to do that this morning, look at one of those kinds of stories. And it's a story that's actually found in the Gospel of Luke. And it's a story that teaches us what it looks like to grow in maturity and grow closer to God in a very surprising way. And the reason why it's surprising is because it focuses on Jesus when he's still an adolescent. Like, he's, he's not a baby, he's not an adult, but he's kind of in that teenager age. And this is actually the only story we have in the Gospels of, uh, of kind of recording this window or stage of Jesus' life. And again, it gives us a glimpse not only of how Jesus is growing and maturing in a special way, but how as he does this, he actually teaches us about maturity and about growing closer to God. Uh, and this story begins with Jesus going to Jerusalem with his parents, Mary and Joseph. This is what it says. It says, every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. Maybe you notice a couple of things right away. Both are very important. One is that as good and faithful Jews, Jesus' parents are going to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, which they would have done every year. And if you've never heard of the, the Passover, it's just a festival or kind of a key festival or yearly tradition in the life of the Jewish people to kind of look back and remember the key moment when, Jesus, when God delivered them from Egypt, out of slavery from Egypt. 
Uh, and last week, if you were here, Willie actually shared a little bit about how when they did this every year, the Jew- when the Jewish people were kind of traveling to Jerusalem, they actually had songs that they would sing that you'll find in the book of Psalms called the Songs of Ascent. And these songs actually help them to remember how God has always been faithful to them and what it means to trust him in a new year. Uh, but the second thing that's really important is that in this story, Jesus is just 12 years old. This is really important because the age of 12 is actually really significant for a Jewish boy at the time as the age leading up to when they become an adult at 13 and everything that brings. Very different from all our culture. Obviously, we don't become an adult at 13. I remember when I was 13, I was still trying to figure out how to use deodorant, do my hair, all that kind of thing, things that don't matter. Uh, but at that, at that time, that was kind of the age where they would reach adulthood. And so as Jesus is traveling to Jerusalem, we don't know if he'd been there before or if this is his first time traveling with his parents, they're preparing him to take this step of maturity, and they're teaching him things and pouring into him. And uh, now, I don't know about you, but I think when we think about this kind of story and think about Jesus at that, this age, it's hard to get our head around. And one of the tensions we feel is that one of the essential beliefs that we believe as Christians is that Jesus is both fully God and fully man. And so what does that mean for this story? And scholars and churches for centuries have worked out exactly kind of what that means, that Jesus is still growing and maturing as a human, but at the same time, he's fully God. And so he's growing in a maturity, maturing in a way that's not quite the same as how we do. For instance, I like to think that Jesus had pimples growing up like I did. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But he had other limitations that he kind of took on in his humanness. But at the same time, he kind of grew in perfect wisdom and maturity. Now, with all that in mind, that's, I know that's a really messy thing to think about, but as we look at this story, I want us to really pay attention to how Luke includes this story in this moment of Jesus' life for a very special reason. And that reason is that Jesus, as Jesus is growing into adulthood, he's going to begin to teach and lead others already in maturity. In this moment where his parents are preparing him to mature into adulthood, Jesus kind of flips that on its head, and he begins to prepare them Uh, to mature in a very surprising and unexpected way. This is what happens next. It says, After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Kids don't try this at home. (laughs) Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. Can you believe that? Can you just imagine being Mary and Joseph in this moment? That just as they thought everything was going to come plan, they were heading home for another year ahead, they lose their own son. And not only their own son, but they lose the son of God. Can you imagine being in their shoes? Anybody see Home Alone over Christmas? It's like Home Alone Bible style. Now I can just imagine the conversation that they're having between them in this moment. Like, I wonder who blamed who. Did Mary blame Joseph or did Joseph blame Mary? If I was there, I would have blamed one of the cousins. That's got to be their fault. Uh, But likely what happens here is important is that Mary and Joseph actually weren't, probably weren't being irresponsible parents. They actually would, would have been traveling with a big group. And so they probably thought that Jesus was back with some of the relatives. And likely he, they really trusted Jesus. Right? He was obedient to them. He was responsible. And so they would have thought that he would have been with them. And so they only discover after a day's journey when they stop that he's not there. And they're just totally blindsided by this. Now, I feel for Mary and Joseph here, not only as a parent myself, but in so many ways, maybe you've heard us say this about Mary and Joseph, but they were really the first followers or disciples of Jesus. 
And so they have to kind of be almost the trailblazers of working out what it means to follow him, even in unexpected times. And in this moment, I think they're really the first people to experience what we all do at some point with Jesus. That world where they're following this rhythm and everything seems to be going fine and they have an idea of who Jesus is and what he's going to do, he completely surprises them. He's not where they expected him to be and he's not doing what they expected him to do. And this is a pattern that really continues with us today in our experience with Jesus. That we, we have our own ideas of what we think Jesus uh, should be doing or what he expected him to be. He has a way of almost challenging those expectations or those assumptions and flipping them on our heads. This coming moment, we will all have moments, this coming year, you will have moments that Jesus will challenge your idea or your assumption of who he is or what he should be doing. And when this happens, you can either continue to just go along and ignore him or you can take that opportunity to really commit to go deeper and pay attention to what he's trying to teach you or where he's trying to call you to go. Maybe for some of you, that's, you're just beginning to explore what Jesus or the church is all about. And you just need to take the opportunity to keep exploring and to keep asking questions and to keep seeking after him. Or maybe for you, you, have, uh, you felt like you have an idea of Jesus, who Jesus is, and it's all figured out. And this is just time to go back and to reconsider some of those assumptions that you've made about him. Or maybe you're in a season where you feel distant from God and you're just recognizing he's inviting you to pay attention to how he wants to kind of remind you of his mercy and his goodness. Or maybe you need to, you're in a moment where you need to kind of do a 180. There's things that you need to surrender to him, to turn back, to follow him kind of in new or unexpected ways. I don't know what that uh, step looks like, but as a church, we try to be very intentional about different ways to kind of help you do that. Uh, I don't want to talk about them too much, but we've heard us share a couple ways that we keep putting on your radar to just help you learn and grow and, and take a step in different ways. One is the Bible study, and the other is the marriage course. If you've never been to one of our Bible studies, the Sermon on the Mount is just a great way to think about how Jesus challenges our assumptions of who he is and what the blessed life looks like. Or maybe for you, it's the marriage course. Or maybe for you, it's just coming, committing to coming each Sunday and learning and growing with us in that way. Or maybe for you, this is the year that you're really going to commit to get baptized. You recognize that there's, there's no, you don't need to wait any longer. That's the step of commitment Jesus is calling you to. So in this story, as Mary and Joseph then discover that Jesus is where they, they didn't expect him to be, they also realize that they need to now follow him in a new way. They need to go back and search for him. And so they go back to Jerusalem, and here's what happens next. It says, after three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. Now, when we read this, it's probably not surprising for us that everybody's kind of amazed at the things that Jesus is saying. But it's important to realize they're not just amazed because he has a lot of information. They're amazed by a certain kind of understanding and wisdom that he's modeling in this moment. And uh, this style of kind of asking questions uh, between a teacher and a student was common at the time, but it's so kind of in character with who Jesus is and what he will actually do as he later continues on his ministry. And it reflects even the character, God's own character, because God, in his wisdom, is a God who teaches us by listening and asking us questions. God is a God who is in his wisdom, teaches us and helps us grow and mature, not just by giving us answers or telling us what to do. Instead, he listens 
and he asks questions, and he gives us room to work things out. And the Bible is full of these kinds of examples. And again, later on, when Jesus starts his ministry, the Gospels show he will be someone who loves to ask people questions. He loves to ask the kind of questions that get beneath the surface, to get to like the deeper motivations or the deeper things that are really happening and challenge people to grow and move forward and to follow him, even if they don't come to full understanding in that moment. So as you look ahead to next year and you think about this, what question might Jesus be asking you? Is there a question maybe that you sense he's asking you to pay attention to as you start this year? A question that might challenge you or help you to grow closer to God. Maybe it's to draw your attention to something that you've been ignoring for a long time. Maybe it's a question to kind of ask you to surrender something that you've been hesitant to surrender to him. Maybe it's to remind you that he cares about something or you feel hopeless. To remind you that he's still listening. As we move into 2024, there are going to be so many questions that we're bombarded with. And it's so important to just consider, what is God asking me as I head to this year? And what is he asking me to commit to? As I was preparing and I was thinking about this for myself, again, Willie helped us reflect on the past year. And I thought about how uh, at different moments over this past year, I found myself kind of faced with new challenges. My kids are getting older. Uh, You know, new challenges even with the church growing and moving to two gatherings. And what does that mean? And just different challenges in my life. And in moments where I kind of just had a hard time trusting God or seeing what was next, I had a question that kept coming up this year that was really kind of encouraging or helpful for me that I sensed God asking me, which is the question, uh, when have I ever let you down? I sensed them just asking that over and over again in those moments. When have I ever let you down? When you were worried about this thing two two months ago and you didn't see the way out or what was going to happen next or you felt like everything was falling apart, when did I let you down there? Or when you were anxious about this challenge and you didn't know how I was going to give you the strength for that, when did I let you down? And when I heard him kind of asking that question or reminding me of that, helped me to just trust him to take that next step of going deeper, of trusting him when I didn't see what was next, or when I did trust him when I, to, to recognize his presence in a way maybe I didn't recognize that he could be present there before, or to follow him in new and unexpected ways. As we start 2024, what's the question Jesus might be asking you? We really want to give you space to to think about that. And maybe this week, one of the really practical things you can just do is to take some time to just take some time to pray, give space for God, and just listen to what he wants to say. Maybe before even praying, God, would you bless this? Would you give me this? Just give space to say, God, what do you want to ask me? And what do you want me to remind me of? And how are you calling me deeper as I head into this year? In this moment in the story that Luke shares with us, Mary and Joseph, uh, they, they eventually find Jesus in the temple and they struggle to understand why he's there and what he's doing. And they're anxious and they're worried. And in his wisdom in this moment, Jesus asked them a question. And this is what it says. It says, When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why are you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to him. I don't think it's a mistake that this is actually the first recorded words we have of Jesus speaking in the Bible, in all of the Bible. And it's, I don't think it's a coincidence that he, he starts by asking a question. 
Why are you searching for me? Maybe that's a question he's even asking you today. Why are you searching? It's a question that really gets under beneath the surface. And he's not asking it to meant to kind of rebuke or shame his parents in this moment because he knows that they're going to search for him. But it's a question that challenges them to go deeper. And then he asks this follow-up question. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Now, maybe if you're reading along in your Bible, your version in that moment might say, uh, didn't, I, didn't you know I had to be about my father's business or doing my father's work? And I really think kind of the faithful translation is oh, it's both together. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house, in his presence, which is represented by the temple in this moment, as well as doing my father's work. Jesus is saying that because of this special relationship that he has with God as his father, uh, that's too big even for his earthly parents to understand at the time, not only is he have to be in his father's house, in his presence, but he has to be doing his work. And so if you're taking notes and, you, and this morning you want to write this down, that Jesus always leads us not only into God's presence, but he leads us deeper into God's purposes at the same time. Not only does he lead us in God's presence, but he helps us to grow at the same time in a way that we have a deep understanding and a deeper participation in God's purposes. This is kind of a key difference in just growing not just in knowledge of who God is, but in relationship with him. And I think the tricky part as we think about this for our own lives is it's easy to miss this, that when Jesus leads us deeper into God's presence, he doesn't always lead us where we want or where we hope or where we expect him to. It doesn't mean that things are just going to get easier for us or he's just going to bless our lives how we hope that he will. And it's so tempting, I think, to think about the benefits of God's presence while ignoring how he also wants to shape us for his purposes. As I was thinking about this, and I thought about like, the picture almost of, of immaturity of this kind of uh, approach, I thought about how maybe you felt this way I did when I was a kid, is when we think about our first job that we want when we're a kid, the way that we dream about our job only thinks about the perks of those jobs or the blessing of that job and not the hard work. And my daughter, uh, youngest daughter Rosie is kind of doing this in a funny way lately, is whenever we go to Costco, she's reminded that her dream job right now is to work at Costco. And the reason why is she's super, super snack-driven, and she loves the free samples at Costco. Amen? Anyone else? She just loves going to see the free samples. And so she has in her head that her dream job is to work at that table to give out free samples, because then she could just eat them all day. There's nothing better. But she's disconnected that, or she hasn't thought about kind of the work that's involved, or some of the heavy lifting, or what it means to just participate with the rest of the team, or the bigger vision of uh, the company. And I think in some ways this is really a model of, or an important uh, reminder for how we can be immature or tempted to do something more immature in our relationship with God. To think that we can have all the perks and all the benefits and all the blessings of God's presence without also growing in a way that we learn to participate in his larger purposes. It's tempting to think that we can grow closer and closer to God without ever learning to surrender or to sacrifice or to serve or participate in new ways that go beyond even what others recognize or what you're rewarded for immediately. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that you always have to do the exact right thing for, for God to be present, or that he removes his presence when we make a mistake. But to keep growing closer and closer to God is to recognize that that always leads us deeper in participating with his purposes. And when growing closer to God becomes disconnected from that, it becomes hard to trust or even recognize when Jesus is now calling you to a place that's kind of unknown or difficult, to recognize that God is actually present there as well. 
as he's leading you to his purposes. This is so important to remember as we head into the new year because so often following Jesus in God's purposes will lead you to these kinds of moments. Moments that require sacrifice or new trust or surrender in new ways. But Jesus really loves in those moments to surprise us, to meet us in our worries or anxieties, to give us new strength, to meet us in sadness or fear. And he loves to invite us to experience God's presence in new ways as we follow him in deeper places. So as we begin another year, let me ask you another question. Where is Jesus leading you in 2024? Where does he want to lead you, to call you to a deeper place? And what would it look like? What steps do you need to take to follow him there, to have a deeper sense of what it means to participate with him in his purposes? As you think about your marriage, or as you think about your kids, or your neighbors, or your job, what does it look like to follow him in a deeper way, to new places even, this coming year? To trust that he's actually going ahead of you and preparing you for that. It's so easy, I think, in tempting to pray for God, to bless our purposes, but it's much harder to follow him in his purposes. But as you do, you begin to trust that God is providing for you. He's giving you a special strength to step into that. He keeps, he'll keep blessing you and he'll keep surprising you in new ways. As this story that we looked at kind of wraps up, you can go back and read the rest of it yourself or read it over again. But Jesus eventually goes back home with his parents. He continues to bathe them and he continues to grow. And I think it's no uh, coincidence as we kind of are going to move to take communion together to start the year. It's really no coincidence that in this story, this happens over Passover. Because it points to what Jesus is going to later come to fulfill in his ministry. That as Jesus, uh, the people are celebrating what God did long ago, Jesus is now going to give new meaning to the Passover meal. And as we gather at the communion table, we celebrate and remember how Jesus has died for each of us because of the ultimate sacrifice that he made. And it's important to remember that in that moment when he was on the cross, he was at the center of God's will and God's purposes for his life and for all of us. And now as we learn as well to go deeper, to follow Jesus into new places, to commit to having him as the center of our lives, to take the next step, whatever that looks like, he will continue to provide for us to help us experience his goodness and his love in new ways. And so just as we close, I want to invite you to, to stand, and, and Dave's going to lead us in part of that song again, Trust in God. But I just want you to take some time to just reflect on that question. What is the next step Jesus is, is calling you to, to invite you to go deeper? And I thought just as we start, we don't always ask you to do this, but just to start this year as a posture of just being open to what Jesus is inviting you to, would you just open your hands? Put your hands out just to say, God, I'm open to the question that you want to ask me. I'm open to how you're calling me to trust you in new ways this year, however difficult or messy or unexpected that might be. So would you just open your hands as we sing this together?
It's good that we have our hands open because Jesus is about to put a piece of bread and a cup in them. And I ask you to just have a seat. And if you're tuning in online, we mentioned earlier that we're going to invite you to come to the table. And this is a sacred meal. It's not just a ritual that we do because we want to waste time. We're doing this because Jesus commanded us to do this. And we take him seriously. It would be the table, the marker, not only of the Passover, the great faithfulness of God who led the people, who freed the people from Egyptian slavery. But it would be the new marker of not only God being faithful to the past, but God being faithful into the future now. And if you've never taken communion with us, we're so happy that you're here. And the way we do it is we invite you up to grab a piece of bread or a wafer and then to grab a cup of either juice or the wine, whichever you feel comfortable taking. And just take it back with you. And this morning as you sit down with the cup and the wafer, would you just take a moment to quietly ask God what question he might be asking you? You know, one of the questions I've thought about as I heard Pastor Michael even sharing, I thought of a question that comes up in my life where God says to me, why are you never happy? Why are you so restless? I don't know what question God's going to ask you, but it's a great way to start this year. To say, God, I'm listening. And the question that he asks us are always a way that he prepares us for how he meets that question. If you're new and you're not sure what you believe yet about God or faith, we're just so happy that you're here. We don't want you to feel any pressure to have to come up right now. This is a very sacred meal for people who've said yes to Jesus. And for thousands of years, Christians have done this together. Still today, around the world. So before we invite you to come up, to grab your bread and your cup, let me just pray for us. Jesus, we want to remind ourselves as we begin this year that it's you who's calling us to this table. It's you who's prepared this meal. And it's you who've told us that this meal will mark forever that you came fully God, fully man, and that you would die on a cross for us. And that we were reminded of this because you knew that we are forgetful people. I pray for those in this room who need to just listen in a new way. Pray for us as we confess and wait on you and listen to the question you might ask us now. As we come, would you help us to maybe repent and confess and be open to the new things you want to show us? We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. As you come up, we'll uh, serve you communion.
was the worst day of their life. They spent three years following him. Everywhere he went, his teaching. They walked with him. They saw him do miracles. It was the Passover now. They went to Jerusalem with him. And the Romans did what they did to all people like Jesus. They crucified him. And killed him. Two of the disciples of Jesus realized that they wasted three years of their lives following him. So they decide to go back home. They go home and they are discouraged and sad and disappointed. They're probably crying and yelling and wondering, I can't believe we're going to get home and people are going to say to us, we told you so. We told you he wasn't the Messiah. We told you he wasn't going to set us free. You wasted three years of your life following this guy. So they walked home to a place called Emmaus. And as they're making their way home, a stranger seems to appear to them and begin to walk with them. He begins to walk with them and he notices that they're very sad. And the stranger asks them a question. Why are you so sad? Why are you so sad? They don't realize who the stranger is yet, but they are shocked that the stranger has the guts to ask them this question. Don't you know what's happened in Jerusalem? Don't you know what they did to Jesus of Nazareth? We followed this guy. We wasted our life. Haven't you heard? They explain to the stranger. They get closer to their house. They realize, like, who is this guy? Why are we following this guy? And they go in, and they're about to go into their home, and they realize the stranger's going to keep walking off. And they say, hey, hey, we don't really know where you're going. We don't know where you live. But do you want to come in with us? And the stranger's like, well, you know, maybe I'll just come in just for a minute. He walks in with them and they talk some more and we don't know what they talk about. But at one point, the stranger who's eating with them, talking with them, listening to them, asking them questions, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks and broke it and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized them and he disappeared from their sight. This is the first time the resurrected Jesus will come to find some of his closest followers and he asks them a question. Why are you so sad? I'm alive and well and this year as we begin this year and we take communion in just a second, I want to remind you that God at this table reveals things about himself that we don't even know how to ask for. And he has things he's going to show you and me and us this year. So as we prepare, I'll read the passage for you. You'll see it on the screen. It says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread together this morning. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's take the
those disciples who meet the resurrected Jesus go back to Jerusalem to tell the others that he's alive. They are given the strength to go back to the place that we are afraid to be in the first place. Jesus will call many of us to places we are afraid to go this year. But this table and the resurrected Lord is with us. May we never forget that. And as you stand this morning, you just stand. I want to encourage you to just remember that the things that God is preparing to do in you are not just for you. Those who know you, those who eat with you, those who hear you speak, they will be, they will be blessed because you trusted in Jesus. Before I let you go, let me pray for us. Father, we have come here again because of Jesus our Lord. It is the power of the Spirit that has drawn us here and it is the power of the Spirit that is sending us out now. We thank you for this table, Jesus. We thank you for this marker, this reminder, the strength, the power, the truth that you revealed to us at this table. May we never take it for granted that the cross and the resurrection and the power of the Spirit are available to us in new ways as we listen to the questions you are asking us and as we go where you're calling us to go. This year, may we be a church that not only experiences your presence, but models going to accomplish your purposes. Use us, Jesus, for your glory and help us to remember that we are here because you are alive and well. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey everyone, before you go, you might have come here, you want to just pray with someone. We have a prayer space here, it's confidential if you'd like to talk or pray with someone. And I just want to remind you, next week we're starting a new teaching series called About New Beginnings. We're going to look at the first book of the Bible, we're going to explore it in new ways. Maybe you know someone who needs to be encouraged to think about their purpose in life, what God's calling them to. Maybe invite them to come with you. If you're joining us online, great to have you with us. God bless. See you next week, everyone. God bless. See you soon.